1: What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Flippin' Bats. It is Tuesday, meaning it is Otani Tuesday here today. We got this week in Shohei Otani news a take it or leave it segment and top five most disappointing teams now that we're after the trade deadline and good to go. This is going to be a lot of fun. It is showtime.
0: out. Of real he swings and it's a high fly ball. Deep center field. It is gone. Home run. And a huge backflip to celebrate. Alright, Ben. Start the show already.
1: What's up, my friends? This is gonna be a fun one. We are also just days away now from the field of dreams game in Iowa. I will be on site bringing you guys along with me. It is going to be a blast. But For this Tuesday show, I'm rocking the shirt. You know what time it is. It is time for my favorite segment this week in Shohei Otani news. This one is going to be a blast. Shohei tied Ichiro for all-time home runs. Second all-time in Japanese-born player history. Also, he had another good outing on the mound. And we are going to talk about his Cy Young potential. But let's get into it by talking about what he did over the last week, hitting two home runs in a game and tying Ichiro for the second most home runs by a Japanese-born player in the history of baseball, 117. Now, Shohei did it in his fifth MLB season, one of which was shortened due to COVID. Ichiro didn't reach 117 home runs until his 17th season while Matsui did not reach 117 until his seventh. Now, Hideki Matsui is the leader. Shohei Otani is five years in, already at 117 home runs. Now, admittedly, Ichiro has said, and Ichiro is an unbelievable hitter. And if you combine his hits here in Major League Baseball and his hits in Japan, well, you have a new all-time hits leader. But for the record books in Major League Baseball, you can't do that. But Ichiro himself has said, look, if I wanted to hit more home runs, I could have. I think Ichiro had a little more weight there. I think he was serious. His job was to get on base. His job was to score runs. He did that. He didn't try and hit balls out of the yard. I have seen Ichiro hit BP, by the way. There is a lot of pop in there. But Shohei has already reached the mark. Ichiro hit 117 home runs and just five MLB seasons, one of which was shortened and others, which he wasn't able to be himself, you know, early on in his career, it was okay. Shohei, you're going to pitch one day and then you're going to have two off days and then you can hit for a day or two. And then before your next start, we're going to have to sit you again and then you'll finally be able to pitch, but you can't hit while you're pitching. It was just a nightmare when he first came over. They didn't let him be him. Now he's able to be him. And he's tying records with Ichiro. So pretty cool there. A pretty big moment, I think. You know, Ichiro and Hideki Matsui are the were the two leaders. Hideki Matsui, obviously, number one. Ichiro, number two. And now in just five seasons, Shohei ties that mark that it took Ichiro 17 seasons to get to. So pretty cool, pretty cool moment there. Two homers in a game got that done for him. But next up, I want to talk about that game where he hit two home runs. In that game, the Angels hit seven home runs as a team. Seven. And Shohei was two of them. And I touched on this just a little bit Thursday. But please, Angels, Artie Moreno, Perry Manassian, where's the help? Shohei, Mike Trout, they need help, and they need help desperately. You have a guy out there in Shohei hitting two home runs, throwing seven scoreless innings pretty much every time he's gone out this year. And they're just not winning baseball games. The Angels are not a good team. And I am just so sick and tired of seeing this happen. I tweeted this the other day. Shohei Otani hit two home runs. The team hit seven home runs as the Angels lose to the Oakland Athletics 8-7. to seven. Tying the record for most home runs in one game all time in a loss. Now it broke the Angels record. That became the record for most home runs all time in a game in Angels history in which they lost. I just I, I feel like I can only beat this drum, but so many times. But there's there are flaws in in this organization and how it's run. And I don't know the answers, but Shohei and Mike Trout, clearly Clearly, it's not, okay, well, Shohei and Mike Trout playing together isn't the answer. Maybe you need to open up the, maybe you need to figure it out and get prospects for one of them. No. Owners are billionaires. And if they're ever at a point where they're saying, well, you know, the, the, that contract's a lot and we have that contract, I, I don't care. You have two of the greatest players to ever play, one Mike Trout, who is one of the greatest baseball players of all time and two Shohei for who a year and a half has put together the best year and a half we have ever seen. If this keeps up, he could be and will be one of the greatest of all time. So how do you capitalize on this? The angels need to figure out how to capitalize on it because poor Mike Trout's been doing it for a decade Nothing to show for it besides one playoff series in which they were swept by the Royals. And now Shohei, who isn't there winning ball games because the team around him just isn't built properly. The pitching's not there. The bullpen's not there. You know, even the start of the year, the lineup six through nine in the lineup was not really competitive. This tweet from the other day, final A's three, Angels one, Shohei Ohtani, has lost three consecutive starts, and he received exactly one combined run of support while pitching in those three starts. One combined run. The Angels have lost 47 of 67, and Major League Baseball is still going to make them play 58 more of these. 47 of 67, they have lost. Shohei has been out there dominating on the mound. Dominating, and they've given him one run of support in three starts. Now, here's where it gets frustrating. Obviously, the team's not very good this year, but Shohei, being Shohei, takes it upon himself and blames himself. Where I drew the line is Shohei coming out and saying, You know what? The reason we lost is because I didn't do enough at the plate. This is the game he was pitching, and he pitched well. That same day, he came out, ah, the reason we didn't win is I I didn't hit well enough. Uh-uh. No. That just grinded my gears for because the Angels aren't doing enough. Shohei shouldn't have to be saying that. Shohei Otani on why he never wants to take a day off. If I'm healthy enough to play, I want to be out there. It feels like I can't really afford to miss games at this point. frustrating. Very, very frustrating. So please figure it out over the course of the next year because Shohei needs to get paid. The angels should pay him. We've never seen a talent like this, but he also deserves to win and he deserves to be on a team where he can go out there and throw seven innings and punch out 11 guys. And maybe he'll go over four at the plate. But guess what? The team can at least score two or three runs and allow him to get the win on the mound. Please, get him help. I said it Thursday. I'll say it again here on This Week in Otani News because it needs to be said. And I don't know who in the front office is going to listen, probably nobody, but please, for the sake of my sanity, Shohei's, and the world that just wants to see them in the playoffs, please get some help. And please do it the right way. Just do it. But I, I talked a lot about Shohei and, and his dominance on the mound. And that leads to, to my last point here. Shohei Otani is legitimately a Cy Young candidate. Now, is he a frontrunner to this point in the year? No. There's a few names that, that come to mind. But this is the pitcher we're talking about. He's a Cy Young caliber talent he could be a Cy Young finalist which is three I would put him in the top five right now I think the Cy Young finalists as of right now are probably Justin Dylan Cease Shane McClanahan but I think Shohei's in that top five conversation so many times we get caught up in thinking of Shohei Otani, the hitter and oh by the way he pitches no 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 This is Shohei Ohtani, the hitter with 24 home runs, and he's a Cy Young caliber pitcher. Earlier this week, there was a tweet. Shohei Ohtani joined Nolan Ryan this week. You might have heard of him. Nolan Ryan this week as the only pitchers in Angels history to record 10-plus strikeouts in six consecutive pitching appearances. Ryan had an Angels record seven-game streak in 1977, and a six-game streak spanning 1972 to 1973. So Shohei's streak as well came to an end. So he had the streak of six where he tied Nolan Ryan. So it's just him and Nolan Ryan in the record books for consecutive outings with 10-plus strikeouts, double digits. He is now, as of his last start, a qualified starting pitcher in terms of innings pitched. So he he can qualify for the ERA title. He can qualify for all of those stats. That a starting pitcher needs to get to innings-wise to be able to do it. Let's dive into those stats that he is now qualified for. In the American League, first in strikeout percentage. First in strikeout to walk percentage. Second in expected ERA, XERA, which is expected ERA with a bunch of other variables that come into place. Park, uh, batter's faced, all of that stuff. But there's more analytics involved. Defense, your team's defense. An expected ERA. Shohei Ohtani is second. FIP second in all of baseball. F WAR, which is WAR, just Fangraphs WAR, third and eighth in the American League in ERA. This is a this is a Cy Young caliber talent we're seeing on the mound. And I I get a little frustrated when it comes to the MVP conversation because. You know, I, I feel like I'm all the time advocating. Like, look, let's not overlook it here. This guy is the most valuable player. How do, how do you overlook that you have a Cy Young caliber pitcher on your team and a guy hitting 24 bombs and say that there's somebody more valuable? Yeah, his team's not very good. I don't care. This is baseball. The, you're, you, the team, when it comes to MVP, is irrelevant. This is baseball. You can't make a team good on your own. But when he's doing both, the Angels are much better. When he's pitching and hitting, the Angels are a lot better. How do you say somebody is more valuable? I see what Aaron Judge is doing. He's on pace to break the Yankees record. I understand that. But where I get frustrated is when you start comparing the two and I say, oh my God, Shohei is the MVP. Everyone will say, Aaron Judge has 43 home runs and he's hitting almost 300. And look at Shohei, he has 24 and he's hitting around 250. Like, What what is your comparison there? And it's like people aren't even... All you're looking at is the offensive stats and nobody brings up the pitching stats because it doesn't fit the narrative that Aaron judge isn't the MVP and you can't blame him for that. He just doesn't do both. Shohei is doing both at an elite level. He's legitimately a Cy Young candidate. So for the argument of, oh, so we're just going to hand the the MVP award to Shohei Otani every year because he pitches and hits. no. But if he has a 2.8 ERA every year and has hits over 30 home runs, yes, and he should be. So yes, first in strikeout percentage now, eighth in ERA now that he qualifies, second in expected ERA, and oh, by the way, he's 32nd best qualified hitter in all of baseball in terms of WRC Plus, and his 24 home runs rank him fifth in all of the American League. That's an MVP. So congratulations to Shohei, now tied for second all-time in home runs by a Japanese-born player tied with Ichiro. He now trails only Hideki Matsui. And another good week for Shohei Otani. And that does it for this edition of This Week in Shohei Otani News. All right, now it is time for a segment called Take It or Leave It, where producer Taylor is out here to join me, and he's going to give me some stuff, and I'm going to either take it or leave it. And Taylor... I want to first say I know I call this week in Shohei Otani news my favorite segment, but I don't want that to I don't want that to hurt your feelings because I also love this segment, my friend, and I'm happy to have you out.
0: Wow, here. I'll take second place with you <laughs> <in> every <the> day. <laughs> well, it's second place to Shohei. And hey, most,
1: most people. Do. I'll take it
0: all day. <laughs> all right, let's get to it. All right, after the Dodgers really stuck it to my Padres, the question is: Is this Dodgers team? better than their 2020 World Series team. Take it or leave it.
1: Look, the Dodgers are good. And on the Monday episode, the Dodgers are the number one team in my power rankings now. But come come on. No, I am leaving it. They're not better than the 2020 World Series team. And the reason I say that is because this team is just running through the regular season, right? They are dominating in the regular season. They're actually on pace to break their all-time franchise record for wins in a season. But I have my concerns when it comes to playoff time. The lineup is great. The pitching has held up and been fantastic. Best, e- best team ERA. But... One, that team won a World Series, and I'm not going to declare this team better than them until they can also prove that they can win a World Series. Then I think you can start having that conversation. But the 2020 team won a World Series. I don't think this team is better. I do have my concerns with this team, and it comes from the pitching side. The starting pitching, when it turns October, when you're running out there against great teams in the playoffs, whether it be the Mets, the Braves, the Padres, who they just looked really good against, or the Yankees, Astros, whoever it's going to be from that side. Pitching-wise, it it scares me. I mean, game one, are we hoping Walker Bueller, who hasn't pitched most of the year, who's hopefully coming back here in a little while, are you expecting him to be a game one starter in a playoff series? Tony Gonsolin, who had a fantastic, historic first half of the year. That takes nothing away from that. But I, I think a little bit of a regression to the mean was coming. I actually said that around the All-Star break, and we're seeing that. I, I don't want that to happen by any means. But look, just a, a minuscule ERA in the low ones for a full season was never expected. Is he the guy? Is Tony Gonsolin your your big game-one starter? Tyler Anderson? Julio Urias, who hasn't been great this year? Are you counting on Dustin May to come back and be a dominant playoff force? There's so many question marks that it just worries me for the playoffs. That's my concern. They're going to win the division. They're going to be good in the playoffs. But are they as good as the 2020 team? I don't know. Clayton Kershaw, haven't even mentioned him. Kershaw has been out for a while with his injury. Comes back, looks pretty dang good again. Now he's hurt again with his lower back injury. There's just... So many question marks that for now I have to leave it and say this Dodgers team is not better than the World Series champion
0: 2020 Dodgers team. Completely agree. Can't compare them until they win the title. Yep, That's all it comes down to. Yep. All right, moving on to a guy that I'm very fond of, who I don't think it's talked about enough. Dylan Cease mm. is a Cy Young finalist. Take it or leave it. Oh, I'm
1: taking it. I'm taking it. And... Look, Dylan Cease, you're right. He's not talked about enough. It's because the White Sox just haven't been very good this year. But when it comes to dominant, how <laughs> I just got sidetracked here. How is this guy not an all-star? Earned runs allowed in Dylan Cease's last 13 starts. Last 13 starts. Listen to this. Earned runs allowed. 0. 0. Zero 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 one 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 zero 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 one one What why aren't we talking about this guy on on the biggest of big scales? This guy is dominant. I am absolutely taking it that Dylan Cease will be a Cy Young finalist. That mustache is incredible. He is incredible. Dylan Cease's 0.42 ERA is the second lowest over an 11-start span in a single season since 1913. Cease deserves a ton of credit for what he is doing, and I am taking it that he will be a Cy Young finalist.
0: Completely agree. If your brother wasn't putting up video game numbers, I think he's the frontrunner right now.
1: Yeah, he's definitely in that final. I think a, a fair final three right now would be Justin, Dylan Cease, Shane McClanahan, in yep. no particular order. With Cease and McClanahan, I do think
0: we got some starts to
1: go. We'll see what happens. Plenty of starts to go. Plenty of time. But as of right now, not as of right now. I, I that's the whole point of this. I'm pretty. I I am taking it that Dylan Cease will be
0: a Cy Young finalist. Yeah. All right. Moving on to something that we've. Talked about quite at length here. This is NL Central. Mm. Brewers, Cardinals, back and forth, nonstop. But right now, Cardinals looking really good. Will the Cardinals win the NL Central? Take it or leave it. Take it.
1: I am taking it, and I am very disappointed. Not mad. I am very disappointed in the Brewers. I really like the Brewers. I really like their team. I really like the way the roster is built. I really like the starting rotation. Corbin Burns, friend of the pod, Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta. And then you had Devin Williams, who was unbelievable, and Josh Hader at the back end of the bullpen. Well, trade deadline comes. You have a first-place team, and you're sellers as a first-place team? Josh Hader, one of the most dominant closers in baseball, is gone. Devin Williams, who was dominant and is now in the closer spot, but even players had to come out and be like, yeah, I don't really know. This is, this is a tough one to swallow. Josh was a big part of our team. He was a dominant closer at the back end. They did nothing. So I am very disappointed. I had the Brewers winning the division and I now no longer do because they didn't get better at the trade deadline. The Cardinals did. They went out and added starting pitching, which they needed desperately. Shout out Jordan Montgomery, by the way, who last second gets surprisingly traded from the Yankees to the Cardinals and then goes out and absolutely shoves against the Yankees in his first start for the Cardinals. That was great to see. Look, I'm taking it. I am taking that the Cardinals win the NL Central because yes, they improved their team. They got better. And the Brewers didn't do enough. And it is disappointing. So when it comes to the NL Central, I think the Cardinals win. Got it.
0: Now, moving on to a question. I'm not exactly stoked about, but mm. my Padres haven't necessarily looked great since Soto's debut, but Dodgers stuck it to him this weekend. The Padres will miss the playoffs. Take it or leave it. Come on. Come on.
1: I'm leaving it. The Padres are making the playoffs. Let's not get too carried away. The first game, Juan Soto's there. This team looked incredible. Some were even saying, some people out there were saying, this is the greatest team of all time. That was me, sarcastically. But they looked really good. And then they lose the next game to the Rockies. Not a big deal, one and one. And then they go and face the Dodgers, who are a great baseball team. I'm not, I'm not looking too much into this. The Padres are a great team. They're in a good position. When it comes to the NL wildcard race, I don't know what's going to happen. Look, the NL wildcard race is going to come down between. There's basically four teams. Okay? Braves. Braves are Mets. So winner, the loser of the NL East race, the loser of the NL Central race, Padres, and then... Probably the Phillies. So there's four teams involved here. The Padres are certainly going to be one of the teams that, that make it. I feel the most confident about the Padres and the Braves or Mets, but I believe it's going to be the Braves. But I'm very confident the Padres make the playoffs. I'm leaving it that they miss the playoffs. They will be in.
0: Ah, me and you both. Look at us. Huh? Look at us. Who would have thought? <laughs> Moving on to a team that has struggled of late. Some would say it's the curse of Joey Gallo, but the Yankees won't finish with the most wins in the American League. Take Ooh. it or leave it.
1: So this comes down to the Astros. <laughs> and the, I mean, it's the Astros and the Yankees. Who finishes with the best record in the AL? Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna Yankees won't finish. With the best record in the AL, so I'm going to take it. I am going to take it. I believe the Astros finished with the better record. Look, the Yankees haven't been very good. in In July, they're under 500. Since the All Star break, they're under 500. The Astros are are good. Head to head, the Astros have dominated the Yankees this year. Um, but look, when it comes down to it, the top two seeds are what's important, right? The top two seeds get the buy. And and that's what you, you need to be in that one or two slots. So do I think all these teams are going to be like, we need the most wins in the American league? No, but the Yankees, the Yankees really worry me. There's some concerns there. They did a good job at the deadline, improving their team. But since the all-star break, it is not good. And the Astros have been pretty good up and down, but for the most part, pretty good. So I'm going to say the Astros finished with the most wins in the American league.
0: Who do you think gives the Yankees the most trouble out of those wild card teams?
1: So out of the wild card teams, we're looking at Blue Jays, Mariners, Rays, Rays. Uh, I I don't see how you don't say. I think the Blue Jays and the Mariners are honestly a good matchup for them. I think I think the Yankees are a better team yeah. than both of them, but I I think the Blue Jays and, and the Mariners are are good team all of them you know with the yankees playing the way they are those wild card teams are dangerous you come into the playoffs hot playing for your life you get in you're like okay finally we have some games where we can you know like we have a series we can play we don't have to win every single game so those wild card g- teams get in they're trouble but who can match up well against them honestly of all of them the blue jays probably the B- the blue jays probably match up the worst against them because they're offensively driven. But I think they, I think the blue Jays can do a good job against them. I, I think the Yankees have some pitching issues they need to figure out. I think the Mariners proved that they can go into to Yankee stadium and play well against them. Look pitching. If you can match up with the Yankees in the playoffs, if you can shut down their lineup. So of all of them, this might be a surprise, but here was the follow-up you asked. And I just said, well, let me think about this of all of them. I think the I think the Mariners match up really well against that them.
0: rotation sneaky. That
1: rotation is sneaky. And if you get Robbie Ray being the Robbie Ray of last year and that we've seen flashes of over the past couple of months, mm, you're looking at a rotation of Luis Castillo, Logan Gilbert, Robbie Ray in a in a shorter series or in a five game series, even a seven game series. You don't need more than that. You can throw those three guys every every time. I like the Mariners. To answer the question, I think the Mariners match up better. Do I think the Mariners beat the Yankees in a series? No, I'm not saying that. But they do match up well.
0: That's my thought as well. All right. All right, Ben. That's it for Take It or Leave It. Now we're going to head into your top five. where We're going to go over top five most disappointing deadline teams. we got a week under our belt, so what do we got?
1: All right. Let's get to it. My list this episode, this week, is a uh, top five disappointing deadline teams. Now, like you just said, Taylor, we are a few days removed. So, this isn't basically winners and losers. This is, let's look at these teams now that we're a week removed from the deadline. And who are the real winners or who are the real losers of all of this? So, let's start at number five. I have the Detroit Tigers. It, it's what a disappointment! It's so frustrating. The Tigers came out before the year and declared to the city in the paper, the rebuild is over. And now here we are. They're not very good. They can't hit. You declare at the trade deadline, you know what? Everybody's available. Everybody's available. The Bat Boy's available. Our best left-handed pitcher is available. Everybody. And what do you do? Nothing, really. Michael Fulmer, who was going to be gonna become a free agent anyway he's gone now so the return there wasn't huge but then everybody you declared available you didn't do anything what are we doing here if you're if you're management ownership alavila chris illich what's the direction here you declare the rebuild over Now you say everybody's available. We got to build again for the future. Everybody's available. And then you do nothing. It's just so frustrating. So here we are. The trade deadline comes and goes. And I just find myself as a follower of the Tigers and, and a fan that wants them to do well. I find myself just scratching my head, which I have been doing for the last few years with the Tigers organization. So they're here at number five. Moving on. Number four on this list the Chicago White Sox. The AL Central is up for grabs, right? You have the Twins, you have the White Sox, you have the Guardians all right there. You have this White Sox team that was an overwhelming favorite to win the division. The best favorite, the best odds to win a division of any team in all of baseball. And now they're here around 500. They haven't been winning the division all year long. They're still behind the Twins. They're behind the Guardians, and, but they have so much talent. What do they do at the deadline? Nothing. Nothing, really. Add Jake Deekman. but look, there, there needs to be moves here. You look at the roster on paper, yeah, sure, it's good. But on the field, it hasn't been good, so some moves needed to happen. They needed to do something to kick them into gear and get this team going because – they're certainly not doing it on the field. Tony LaRusso is certainly not kicking them into gear. This team doesn't have all the answers right now. They needed something. They did nothing. For that reason, I'm frustrated. Now we've come out of the break, and it's like, what well, more of the same. I'm frustrated watching this Sox team. They didn't do enough at the deadline. That's why they're here on this list. Moving on, number three, top five disappointing deadline teams, the Boston Red Sox. were you buyers or were you sellers this one's pretty simple here it's okay you're not too far out of a wild card spot do you have a team capable of of making a, a a run sure do you have a team capable of winning a world series probably not so sell or go all in and buy but don't do neither you don't set yourself up for the future there, and it's just been years, it seems like, of this Red Sox front office not being able to commit, and it cost you Mookie Betts. It cost you your guy. You know, I, I don't understand it. When when Mookie Betts was wanting $200 million, the Red Sox say, oh, no, no, no. Then Mookie Betts plays himself into a $300 million guy, and the Red Sox say, uh, okay, we'll do 200. million. It's like, what are you doing there as an organization? Who are you hitching your truck to and saying, you're our guy, let's go? Is it going to be Devers? Is it going to be Bogarts? I think it should be both of them. But is it going to be? I don't know. What is the direction this front office wants to, to take the team in? It just feels like they're being cheap too many times. You're the Boston Red Sox. Go for it, one way or the other. At the deadline, if your team's behind the Orioles, sell and say, you know what, Red Sox faithful, we understand this isn't isn't what we wanted this year, but this is not a long-term thing. We are selling to be good next year. We are going to pay Rafi Devers, and we are going to pay Xander Bogarts, and we are going to be a really good team next year. But this year just didn't go as we planned. We will be better. They didn't do that, and they didn't buy So what were you doing? I don't know. But the Red Sox organization needs to be better. They're here on this list at number three. At number two, the Baltimore Orioles. I love watching this Orioles team right now. They are so much fun. Camden Yards is packed again. There were 41,000 fans at Camden the other night. They won. They look good doing it. And at the deadline, they sold. This team, the Orioles, that is currently a game out of a wild card spot, looking really good. They're really fun to watch. Man, think about how much fun they would be and how good they can be if they had maybe a versatile corner outfielder that could play first base. Maybe a Trey Mancini. Think about if they had a lockdown all-star closer at the back end of the bullpen. Maybe a Jorge Lopez. They sold them. They got rid of both of them. And now they're still right there on the edge of the playoffs. The organization, the, the fan base has showed up. They're back. This team is winning ball ballgames.
0: Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more. Right now, save $30 on the American-made steel FS-56 RCE trimmer. Real Steel. The FS-56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.
1: And you sold. You sold at the deadline. And yeah, they've been fine ever since. But is it realistic to think they're going to be as good without Trey Mancini or Jorge Lopez? No, it's not. So... I love watching Orioles baseball when they're a lot of fun and they're good. And right now they are really fun and really good. And they could be even better with Trey Mancini and Jorge Lopez, but they sold them off. And that disappoints me. They're here at number two. At number one, my top disappointing deadline team, the Milwaukee Brewers. You have the Brewers, who are a first place team, first in the NL Central. You're looking good, you got great pitching. The hitting has been mediocre. What do you do at the deadline? You get rid of your dominant closer. You don't get a top prospect back from the Padres. You get Rogers, who was a good closer, who had the second most saves in baseball behind only Josh Hader. You trade away Josh Hader for Rogers. You get Denelson Lamette, who you immediately DFA on arrival pretty much. What was the point? So now he's DFA'd. He's gone. He's part of the trade. So then what are you looking at? Some prospects that you don't know what you're going to get? So you were sellers at the trade deadline as a first-place team? The offense had the most question marks. Get a bat. They didn't do anything. So frustrating. They needed a bat. They didn't get it. They didn't need to build for the future. The future is right now. You have a team that's ready to win. Pump some Offense into him, pump some relief into him, get get another starting pitcher, go for it. The frustrating thing on, on social media was seeing people try and justify this was like, well, you know, we, we had a pitcher that we knew the contract situation and it was time to get something for him. For what? The future? Your first place team. You needed offense. You didn't get a single bat. That's what is frustrating. Yes, was the hater trade weird? Yes, is it the worst trade in the entire world? No, you got back a good closer, and you got back some other options that are going to hopefully make a difference in the future. The future doesn't matter to me right now. It's time to win. That trade was a weird one, but not trading for a bat, not going to get an offensive bat to help in that lineup. uh, That just doesn't sit well with me. So these teams, Tigers at five, White Sox four, Red Sox three, Orioles two, and the Brewers round that out at number one, the most frustrating teams at the trade deadline. But that does it for this Tuesday episode of Flippin' Bats. This has been a fun one this week in Otani news. Take it or leave it in my top five disappointing deadline teams. I hope you all enjoyed it. This one was a lot of fun. The Field of Dreams is right around the corner. We got so much fun stuff coming at you for that. Stay tuned there. Make sure you all are subscribed wherever you listen to podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Google, anywhere. Subscribe. Rated five stars. Also follow on all social media at Flippin' Bats Pod. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and every episode you can watch on YouTube as well. Flippin' Bats Pod there as well. So thank you all for for listening. This one has been a lot of fun, and I will see you next time for another episode of Flippin' Bats. Peace.